Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We didn't hear any of that, did we? A little bit of dead air? Oh, we couldn't go through a show. We could not go through my first show without something happening. Reed Wilkins is sitting in here. Reed Wilkins is the one who pressed the button that turned that off, if I'm not mistaken. Not that I want to blame you, Reader. It's okay. But uh, you know what? Now that I've got you in here, let's... I've been trying to be as real as I possibly can about everything throughout the entirety of this show, and... You know what? It might cost me a job at the end of the day. I say jokingly, sort of. But uh, let's talk about it. I mean, the goaltending hasn't been good enough. The penalty killing finds a way to give up one a game, like Todd said. Uh, there's not enough scoring depth. I mean, where, where, what's the most glaring issue, in your opinion? The most glaring issue? Well, there are several. The ones you mentioned are certainly issues. I think the most glaring issue, now this ties into the other issues, but it all adds up to that they do not handle anything that goes wrong in a game very well. That if it's not going perfectly, it snowballs and they get snowed under. So let me ask you this, and I asked John Shannon the same question. Is that on the leadership group? Is that on the coach? Why is there no fortitude? Why is there no gusto with this team when something happens? Well, I think it's on everybody. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know what was it Leon Dreisaitl said a few games ago that they, they start playing nervous in their own end and they don't get engaged in battles and they start expecting bad things to happen. I, I, was, I was listening to, to your show when I was at home and driving in and I was, I was really wondering, did this all start this inability to handle bad things in a game this uh this fear of something bad happening as opposed to going out there and trying to make something good happen did this all start in the final four minutes of game five in anaheim when they got really passive anaheim floated a couple shots in from the point they got the controversial goal interference call and lost the game and i realized they came back and steamrolled anaheim in in uh in game six and I realize not all the players are the same, but I'm wondering if that seed of doubt got planted there. 
that they couldn't close out a 3-0 lead in a playoff game with four minutes left that probably ultimately cost them a trip to the next round. Because that was a theme last year, that when things went bad, it went bad. The other team didn't score once or twice and tie a game or nose ahead by a goal. The Oilers would fall behind by two or three. They let in the first shot of the game. They, you know, rarely came back in games or, or stayed in games. And after showing some resilience earlier this season, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I come back in Winnipeg, that's going to happen on average about twice a decade. Okay, so you got that one. And doing a better job at staying in games, now it's all getting out of control again. Okay, you're back against Colorado. You finally got some rest. What happens? Well, you allow an early goal, and then you're down 2 nothing early in the game. And then you play a stinker and lose 4-1. In Calgary, you're in good shape. You're up 2 nothing. Okay, you allow a power play goal. All right, you're still ahead of goal going to the third period. Never had a chance in the third. I mean, it was only a matter of time before the Flames tied and won that game as you were watching it. And then last night, you, you, I mean, you're in good shape. You're up 2-1 after one. You got a power play early in the second period. Okay. Even if you don't score, don't screw up and allow a shorthanded goal. Okay, you allowed a shorthanded goal. It's, oh, now, oh, now we took a penalty. Oh, now it's 4-2. I mean, they just don't handle any of the adverse moments. I mean, look, it's it's on everybody associated with it. Uh, certainly some players have been through it before and aren't handling it well. Uh, I mean, yeah, do you have to question perhaps the, the tone of the coach or, or how he's reacting in those situations? Well, of, of course you have to. And do you have to question uh, the goaltending? Well, of course you have to. Cam Talbot has not looked good ever since he beat Chicago 2-1 in overtime, where he was probably the Oilers' best player in that game, certainly in the third period. And he's not hes not making the saves. He's not letting in you know bad goals, but if, if the other team makes a well-placed shot, it's in almost every time. Yep. I mean, I'm sure the Oilers took shots against Marc-Andre Fleury that were going an inch inside the goalpost or that looked like they were a really good chance. Well, he kept more out than, than Talbot did. You know, Riddick stopped three breakaways out of three, or, well, I guess you could kind of count Chase on shorthanded goal as a breakaway, but he, he made most of the saves. I know Koskinen was a net, but, I mean, I think from a goaltending perspective, I'd be prepared to say you have to start Koskinen every game on this trip because he's, he is steadier, he's controlling the puck better, he's absorbing the puck better. And I'm not giving up on Talbot. I stand by what I've been saying all year. They need two goaltenders. And Koskinen has never carried the load at the NHL level. So that's still a big question mark. They're going to need Talbot to do the work. But right now, they can't afford to have Talbot playing actual games while he's doing the work. Because it's in danger of, of, of slipping away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And- I mean, they won't be in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving. It's impossible. Because they only play one game between now and Thursday. But if they win tomorrow, they're probably going to be within a couple wins of a playoff spot, which is okay, again, in a mediocre division. If you lose tomorrow, you could be five, six, seven points out of the playoffs by Thursday. That's a massive hill, even with two-thirds or three-quarters of the season left. I don't like that this is a year where the division is open for the taking and they're simply not grabbing the bull by the horns. And to me, that should be an opportunity that you're dying to seize. Everybody talks post-game about this team not being desperate enough. If that's not a reason... For you to be desperate enough right now and the fact that you don't have to overcome a juggernaut team like, oh, San Jose is going to finish with 110 points. No, you, you texted me mid-show, Reed, and said that 96 points might not be 
you know, the benchmark for getting into the playoffs. It could be less than that in the division this year. No, we'll we'll see how what happens early in, in, as the season goes along. I still think San Jose is is favored. I still think Calgary is very good. We'll see what happens with Vegas. You know, Vancouver has already saw, shown signs that they're they're not going to keep it up. Arizona and Anaheim are maybe a little bit of wild cards to me, but yeah, I mean, and this is the crazy thing for the Oilers: if they had if they had two extra wins, and were what would they be if they were eleven eight and one? That's okay. It's not a great record, but it's okay. The it, it, you'd feel totally different about where they're at. So they had a push where they won eight out of eleven. That's really good. Any team will take an eight two and one eleven game stretch. Good for them. They did it. You're, you're sure you're not going to win eight out of eleven all season long. But what happens out of that? They win one out of seven. Like even if they'd gone three and four in the seven game stretch. It'd be mediocre, a little below average, but they'd have those four extra points, and and they'd be in a playoff spot, and they'd have more team, teams chasing them than uh, than you know, as opposed to now being behind five teams in the division. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, how does the season get out of control? Well, one game at a time, right? And and they've put themselves in in a in a in a tough spot right now. I mean, you don't want to sit there and say, well, any one game is is a must win, but if you look at the chunk of games lately not good enough too many too many problems seeping into the game too many uh clusters of goals being scored against and and the inability to to limit the damage this is you know i feel like i'm talking about the eskimos all over again because <laughs> you know they had games where you'd think okay they they figured it out they figured it out oh no they just got outscored 17 nothing in the third quarter well yesterday okay they're up 2-1 against vegas this this will be good they'll stay in it. oh all of a sudden it's 4-2 in a two and a half minute span and if they can't find a way to limit the damage and, and get the saves when the other team makes a push and and, and recover from their mistakes, then they're just going to keep sinking. Reed Wilkins in studio. Brendan Escott hosting Oilers now today. Bob will be back tomorrow. Reed, uh, let's end it on this. I mean, you've got Cooper Marodi playing the the role of third line center right now. I don't necessarily think that's a long-term solution having traded away Ryan Strom I don't think Marodi was good in the face-off Look, the Ryan, the Ryan Strom trade is a weird trade I mean I understand on, on some levels it makes sense because you're trading a, a struggling guy for a struggling guy but Ryan Strom at least had found a role on the team now sure the, the lack of scoring is disappointing um and yeah, when they traded for him, they wanted to try him on McDavid's wing or maybe on, in the top six. So sure, but at least he'd found a role as a third line center, and like you said, right shot and, and could kill penalties. And now that guy is out of the equation. And I realize the penalty killing wasn't that great with Strom on it anyway. All right, those are all fair criticisms, but I don't know what Spooner is going to bring. Not totally fair to judge his game yet, especially on Saturday after traveling in and playing on the same day, flying across from New York. But that that is an odd trade. I understand maybe it's a change of scenery deal. I know the Oilers need more skill. They need more speed. But I don't know who fills the role that Strom filled. Marody, okay, maybe someday. I don't know if we can do it four games no. into his NHL career. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think this is too soon for him. I think it's out of necessity. And I think that if Spooner, Russell, and Marody are on this team right now, playing in the roles that they are, and you know what, my opinion, Reed, is that we're going to see Spooner as an experiment on that top line sooner than later because he's the shiny new toy, and that's just kind of what happens. 
But Yamamoto having played the way that he played, which I don't think warranted him being sent to the minors. It seemed like he, he played a he played a good enough game and then he would sit in the press box for two. You know, and now he's in the minors trying to trying to apply his trade. A lot of people on the text line saying, well, the this, this team doesn't have enough grit. They don't have that Brendan Gallagher style of play. Yamamoto brings that. I don't know if Marodi does. Uh, I, I don't know. Are they losing games because they don't have enough grit? I don't think so. No. I mean, I read an article by a Calgary writer today who called them the beefed-up Oilers, and the Flames just had to survive that before it became a hockey game, and then they could win it in the third period <laughs> when it became an actual hockey game. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just—that's I, I, been a problem for the Oilers in the past—is lack of grit. I mean, they have some guys who can stand up to the to the bullies on other teams and and play a physical, mean game if it gets dragged into the gutter a little bit. I, I don't I don't see grit so much as a problem. I think they're missing a couple of skilled forwards. I mean, if they if they had a legitimate second line, it it changes everything. I mean, the fourth line has been okay. They're probably an average NHL fourth line on and off. Yeah, which that's why they're fourth liners because yep. they're not consistent. So they're I don't I don't think they're missing much grit. I think they're missing a couple of, of forwards with a little more skill and a little more finish. This text coming in out of Edmonton on uh, the Heartland Ford text line. If they didn't try Strom on the top line, then why would they try Spooner on the top line? Because Strom could win faceoffs and play the third line centerman role. I don't know if Spooner is going to be necessarily that guy. I don't know that that's the scouting report. The scouting on the top re- line? No. Why didn't Strom get tried on the top line? Well, yeah, he did initially at the at the very beginning, and he didn't wind up staying there. No, I, mean, I mean, that's a fair question. But, but I mean, we're going back to last year's preseason already with that one. Third line center, if they, in my if, opinion. If they try Spooner on the top line, it'll simply be because he's quick. That's what I'm saying. And that's what people are calling for. Get two quick wingers up there with, with McDavid and see what happens. I don't know. We could we could speculate, but... Yeah, well, look, if, day, if, you're, if you're constantly throwing out different line combinations and hoping, maybe that's a sign the roster's not good enough. We know the rosters. Well, not good right. Enough. So I mean, the the line combination discussion is is low hanging fruit. Well, let's move this guy around. Let's move this guy around. I mean, if they were all if they were all better, it, it wouldn't matter so much. So we'll have the, to like, see. the line combinations are important. Yeah. But it's not the it's not the be all end all. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other things that are I think bigger headlines to talk about. We'll leave it there, Reed. It's one forty seven in Edmonton. Appreciate you jumping on boards. Brendan Escott, pinch hitting for Bob Stoffer. We'll come back in a couple minutes here on Oilers Now. Please support 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous and make sure every kid has a Christmas. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 150 in Edmonton, Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer. He is in the air on the way to San Jose where the Oilers will play tomorrow night, 830 the puck drop time, that game right here on 6.30. Chad Reed Wilkins still in studio with me, but before we get back to you, Reed, I'm going to tell you about uh, Royal Pizza. It's pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Interesting text here, Reed, that I do want to get to. From Mark in Edmonton, it says, Hey, Brendan, is it just me, or does every defenseman who plays with Darnell Nurse struggle? Maybe it is time to think about moving Nurse and getting something in return while he still has value. What do you think of his play? I know he's been struggling lately. And Benning doesn't look great beside him. 
Uh, I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to trade Nurse necessarily. They don't have the depth to be able to do that. And everybody calling for Nylander, that's what it's going to take. I'm sorry, Lucic and, and Yamamoto, that's not enough of a return. It's not, the way that I look at it. So Nurse would have to be the guy. And despite how he's playing, he's 23 years old and still has you know a pretty high ceiling, all things considered. Yeah, I don't. I just think... Okay, so let's trade Nurse after we traded Justin Schultz and Jeff Petrie and all these other players who have been good elsewhere. I I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. Obviously, guys are struggling. That's why. That's why they're losing. Um, but sometimes you you trade somebody, you create another hole, or you wind up saying like, "Oh, I wish we had a player who could do what that guy did." A lot of people want Kachuk on this team. You can't retroactively go and draft him instead of Yessi. It's, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine to air that out as, like, as frustrated, but he's not coming here. The price tag even to bring somebody like that in. Again, too high for the Oilers. They don't have the wiggle room. They've got contracts on the books that don't allow them the wiggle room to make the kind of trades that would allow this team to be deeper like it needs to be in order to play the way everyone wants it to play. Is that simple enough? Well, the, like Matthew Kachuk? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, he's not going to... I mean, if you want to redo that draft, would have loved Mikhail Sergachev at number four. Mm-hmm. He was sitting right there. Right shot defenseman. He's, he's, he's left. He's left shot defenseman. But I, but he'd be, be really, really good. We've talked about this read until we're blue in the face. And even Brian Burke said at that point he would have taken Yessi at that position. every. Team well, that's the thing. Would. Yeah, I mean, he was ranked pretty high. In your opinion... And I think I know where we're going to go with this. Is it a is it a coaching issue or is it a GM issue? Oh, it's more of a GM issue. Yeah, I've, I've been saying that uh, on for, for a while. It, the Todd McClellan has done a better job coaching the team than Peter Shirelli has done managing the team. Having said that, it's often the coach that pays the price mm-hmm. in terms of losing his job before the manager. That's just usually how things go in situations like this. Exactly, and that's why I had been saying throughout the duration of the show that it's, you know, is it Todd McClellan the next hammer to fall? Because I think it's a lot less likely that a a GM mid-season gets handed his walking papers. Well, it could happen. It could. I'm not saying it it won't. I I mean, eventually the Oilers are going to, once this season progresses, uh, the people above Shirelli, so Bob Nicholson, are going to have to decide do you want him taking the team through another trade deadline and another draft and another free agency? Those are the those are the three key times of the year. At the trade deadline and then at the draft, that's where a lot of activity happens now. And, and at free agency, that's where the signings happen. So eventually, depending on how the next couple of months go, then somebody will have to decide, like, okay, when it's whatever day the trade deadline is this year, late February, do we want him at the helm for this again? Do we want him going into another draft? Do we want him going through free agency again? Right. We'll see. I mean, it's it's so subjective. It's so early in the season. And we're going to take the time right now to go to this day in Oilers history. This will brighten your spirits. It's brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter group vacation package with New West Travel and receive free parking at Value Park at Edmonton International Airport. Go online at newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. On this day, read in 1983, the Oilers set a franchise record for most goals in a game with 13. 
13 against the New Jersey Devils. Cool. Not, not surprisingly, they won that game 13 to 4. Mickey Mouse comment. Wayne Gretzky had a hat trick and five assists. Yari Curry had five goals and an assist. And I believe that's when Gretzky called the uh, Devils a Mickey Mouse organization. They were I I'm just trying to go off like photographic memory. I think they were two and fourteen or two and sixteen at that point in the season. It was not good for the New Jersey Devils at that time. Yes, well, that was the one. What's coming up on your show tonight? Oh, it's going to be good tonight. Uh, we got Eskimos general manager Brock Sunderland on the show. Uh, we got uh, former Grey Cup champion Nick Lewis as we start getting you ready for the big game in Edmonton on Sunday. And, of course, more on the Oilers and more on San Jose. They face each other tomorrow. Tomorrow, Stopper returns. He's with Spectre. It's for Horse Racing Alberta and the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry. Also, of course... Oilers, Sharks, San Jose, 8.30 p.m. Puck drop. Is face-off show at 6? Face-off show is at 7 tomorrow. Inside Sports will be from 6 to 7. Lovely, an abbreviated one. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye, Andrew Ghost. My name is Brendan Escott. Thank you for hanging out with me. I'll be back behind the glass tomorrow. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.